This is the Cleveland Guardians Fancast with your host, Quincy Wheeler, a podcast about the Cleveland Guardians and their fans. Hello and welcome to the Cleveland Guardians Fancast. I'm your host, Quincy Wheeler. You can find us at Guardian Fancast on Twitter. You can email me at Quincy at GuardiansFancast.com. Today we had an opening game win of the series against the Toronto Blue Jays, who are in town for four games against the Cleveland Guardians. So we got to see the Guardians get a 6-5 win against a undoubtedly good team also beating a pretty good pitcher in jose barrios who the guardians got to pretty well today got to see stephen kwan's first home run a two-run homer pretty exciting for him and for the rest of the team to see that fran Reyes got three hits so hopefully he's really shaking out of the slump that he's been in so important to have him in the lineup no home runs for him, but hey, three singles right now are exactly what we need to see from him. And with that, eventually his power will start to show up. So hopefully he can build on that, use that confidence that he's acquired there, and continue to perform well. So a couple other things I noticed. Aaron Savali pitched pretty well against the Blue Jays. He gave up a two-run homer to Vladimir Guerrero in the first inning, which can happen to anyone, especially when the ball leaks back over the plate. Vlad's going to make you pay for that and other than that he pitched really well he uh threw put up scoreless innings until finally breaking down after two outs in the sixth inning and giving up a couple more runs really uh tito shouldn't have left him in that long 90 pitches was probably more than enough for him but i know that tito's trying to get the most out of his guys trying to make sure he doesn't use up his bullpen too soon so that's part of what was going on there. I decided I would try to break down a little bit to see what Savali might have done a little bit differently today. There's been some speculation out there that maybe, you know, he might just throw a few less of the pitches that he is able to throw because Savali has a huge repertoire of pitches. So possibly if he focused on the pitches that he was better at and left out some of the other ones he might be a more effective pitcher that's kind of been the thinking going around in cleveland guardians twitter and in cleveland guardians blogdom i'll link to a good article from chris davis at davies at uh covering the corner where he talked about it you can take a look at what chris has to say so i was kind of curious if savali adjusted his game plan at all for this game versus his last game against oakland which actually he started to pitch pretty well in the middle of that game, but the beginning was incredibly rough and the end was also rough for him there. So I just wanted to kind of see what's been changing. I don't have time necessarily right now to go back and look at all of his starts this year. One thing I noticed is that he does have a little bit more velocity in this game versus the last game that he hangs on to throughout the game. So in the game in Oakland, he basically wasn't hitting 90 miles an hour past the second or third inning. And here into the fifth, he was hitting above 90 with his hard stuff, 
which first of all, isn't really that hard, but hey, that's important for him to be able to do. Still hoping he maybe gains a little bit more velocity and maintains his velocity better throughout the game, but that was a big deal for him to be able to kind of hold on to some of the uh, the speed that he has on his pitches throughout the game better. Um, if you kind of leave out those last couple runs that he gave up in that last hit, uh, up till that point, he'd given up five hits, two runs, had eight strikeouts, and no walks. That's a pretty darn good day, especially against the Blue Jays. Now then, Tito left him in, he gave up another hit, and ended up a couple more runs came in. So that's kind of where we ended up with Savali. Now, as we look at his pitches, so in the start against Oakland, he threw 18% of his pitches were forcing fastballs. Today, only 10% were forcing fastballs, and you didn't see a forcing fastball from him late in the game. He just completely stopped using that pitch. So kind of an interesting note there. He threw the cutter about the same percentage of time, around 32% of the time. He threw the sinker about 15% of the time, whereas 12% earlier, probably not a huge difference there. He threw the curveball 30.5% of the time versus 27% of the time in Oakland. So a little bit of a tick up there. Kind of saw replaced, he kind of replaced the forcing fastball with the curveball and with just a little bit more of the sinker. So that kind of seemed to be where that went. Plus he threw two sliders today and didn't throw any sliders in Oakland. And uh, again, the split finger was about the same for him, although he relied on that a good bit towards the end of the game. Maybe kind of didn't show that much earlier and then started flashing it late. So in looking at the game, those are the things that stand out to me. He kind of saved the splitter to some degree to use late in the game, and that seemed to work pretty well for him until he really started to run out of velocity at the very end and just kind of got left in the game too long. And that slider popping up a couple times and backing off the use of the four-seam fastball. So that'll be a trend to watch out for to see if maybe he realizes that fastball isn't quite getting the movement that he wants. The big thing for Savali is locating. If he can throw, you know, five, six different pitches and locate them, he's going to be an effective starter. He's going to be the kind of guy you want around. He's going to be the kind of guy who's a fourth starter, maybe even a third starter if he gets some of his velocity back. That's the kind of guy he can be, and he showed that against Toronto today, and that was a big deal. That's something that we should all applaud, as well as we applaud Quan, Franmo, Andres Jimenez getting a double, and so many guys showing up today. Uh, Josh Naylor got another hit, RBI and a run. Just uh, good to see this team performing well. Palacio still looks good out there. He's putting up good at bats, got another hit. Um, also just you know saw a lot of pitches, so that was good to see. Excited about this team. Looking forward to watching them as the season goes on, as they grow and develop. Now I want you to hear a great interview that I was able to have with Andrew Sherson, also known as Walk Off Jesus. He's got quite a story to tell about how he acquired that nickname, so I hope you enjoy it. Hope you have a great weekend. Hope the Guardians can win a series against the Blue Jays. Hey, it's Quincy, and I'm here with Andrew Sherson. How's it going, Andrew? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? 
Good, good. After I after I got your name straight, buddy, I don't know even how I did that. But uh, that's it's great to have you here and to hear you, every, your story about how you became a Cleveland baseball fan. I'm looking forward to it. So let's get started. How did you become a fan of this particular baseball team? Uh, so I was one of the unfortunate souls born into Cleveland sports. Uh, so f- from birth, I've been a Cleveland sports fan for all sports. Uh, that includes baseball. Uh, so just from birth, I've been a, a, a Guardians fan. Yeah, uh, I'm, I hear you. Uh, and of course, there's been there's been at least one highlight if you're a Cleveland sports fan with the Cavs winning the championship. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I mean, the, Gar- the Guardians Indians have been probably the most successful of the franchises, I would say. Yeah. yeah yes, they have been. <laughs> certainly not like being a Browns fan where it's been mostly misery. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, tell me, what are some of your favorite Cleveland baseball memories? Um, one of the first games I ever went to, I got a foul ball from, from a Ben Broussard. Um, So he became my favorite player. Um, and then my babysitter's boyfriend actually worked at the stadium at the time. So he went and got the ball signed by Ben Broussard for me. All right. So, so that, that that's definitely like up there with with, with my top memories uh, of of being in person at a game. Um, I was also there for the uh, dedication for Jim Tomey's statue, okay. which even though I never got to see him play in Cleveland because uh, I I'm, I was too young um, or not born yet, uh, it was nice to see him get honored. Yeah. Certainly, the greatest. Uh greatest player we've seen in a long time at least as the amount of wins and statistics he accumulated and beloved here that's pretty cool uh, you know I, I love hearing about those those kind of forgotten guys that people really like as players Ben Bruce Sard there's a name I haven't thought about for a while what are some what, can you think of other guys that you've liked over the years that maybe other people are you one of those people that kind of looks at players that other guy that other people overlook um Yes and no. Um, I was a catcher growing up, so Carlos Santana was my favorite player. Yeah, um, still is today. Um, I even uh, I, I was really happy though when he made the All Star game when it was hosted in Cleveland. Uh, so I, I made sure I got one of those jerseys because uh, um, I didn't have a Santana jersey, so I got the All Star Cleveland one for him. Yeah, I I'm a, I'm a big Carlos Santana fan as well. One of the things that was neat about him is that. He and Brantley were kind of the first signs of, hey, we're going to turn this thing around, you know, because they had some pretty rough years there. But when you started to see Santana and Brantley hit, that's always when you were like, okay, they're putting something together. I always love, too, how Carl Santana just looks so angry at the plate, you know. And, <laughs> and you know, like, if you follow him in other places that you like, he's a, 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 friend, a friendly, like, nice guy. But he's he's super serious on the field, and that's fun to see him up there, kind of scowling at the ball as it comes in. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's I, oh, go ahead. I, I also like the fact that that you know uh, him and Brantley uh, and the other key pieces uh, that we got via trades for 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 our our World Series run were were kind of throwaway pieces in trades. Yeah, um, yeah. I always like following these trades to see you know like we might trade for a guy now that like no one knows the name of, but in five years he's, he's competing for Cy Young or competing for MVP or like making an all-star game. So like, I, I like those players when we, when we try to uh, away a veteran or someone that we aren't going to use and, and we get this, this uh, young player back who ends up doing, doing very well for us. Yeah, that's, that's great, Andrew. I really, I really uh, appreciate how you brought that out. 
Yeah, it's fun to see right now with uh, Miles Straw and it is kind of that way for us. I'll always trade a good relief pitcher for a good position player because he can play the position player every day. But right now, I mean, the way he's hitting the ball plus his defense, uh, that trade looks like a steal, even though Maton's pitching pretty well. It looks like, yeah. man, that was that was a great move by them. It's fun to, fun to see. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and I, I like to look back and think about players that I that I uh, appreciated that you know it seemed like the rest of the world kind of didn't pay attention to. And um, of course, fans of Cleveland baseball podcast might know about Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi's podcast, Selby's Godcast. But I vividly remember listening on the radio when Bill Selby hit that grand slam off of Mariano Rivera. It was just like. It, it was there was just some feeling of like uh, that's I've just witnessed a miracle. That was literally a miracle. There's no way that could happen. Who would ever know Bill Selby's name otherwise? <laughs> All right. Well, what do you what do you think about the current team, about uh, what we have as Cleveland Guardians now and their future? What do you think about that? Well, to be honest, they're doing a lot better than I thought they would to start the season. Uh, one, because they've historically started slow with Tito as the manager. Uh, two, they did nothing to improve the lineup from last year a lineup that got hit that um, that got no hit four times last year. Um, I'm counting the seven inning game because they weren't going to get a hit in the game. Uh, it's, it's really refreshing to see that they're, they're like that, that they're hitting the ball and maybe Ty Van Berkeley was the mistake. Like he was the issue because he was the only change that they made really was they got rid of him, got a new guy. And, 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 and all of a sudden we've got um, uh, like almost our, 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 our entire lineup in the league leaders and hits and average and walks and, and, and uh, in contact rate. It's just, it's a completely different approach to the plate than they had the past couple of years. And it's, it's really, really refreshing to see. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. It certainly feels like with guys like Quan in the lineup, that it's very unlikely you're going to get no hit <laughs> between between him and Jose, obviously, you know, the, the thorough problem was last year, if Jose had a bad day, you could get no hit because there was like nobody else in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, but now it's like, oh, I see if you guys are going to probably put uh, put the bat to the ball and probably it'll fall in at least. Yeah, it's been great to see. Um, what were some of your favorite guys on the roster now? Um, in terms of people, I really like Bobby Bradley. I, I just wish he could make contact with the ball because if he does, it goes 500 feet. Yeah, uh, but unfortunately, he's not hitting. But but Josh Naylor, I love him as well. High energy guy. Um, I was actually at the game yesterday where he had that double, and he was just going crazy afterwards. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's really nice to see that energy. Um, and of course, I love Stephen Kwan. Who doesn't love Stephen Kwan? He's been amazing. Um, right. he, he actually helped win, win me my first week of uh, fantasy baseball. Oh. <laughs> Well, that's that's a good reason to to like him too. Yeah, you picked him. You picked him up at the beginning of the year. I picked him up after one game. I'm after like, one know, game, uh, that's like, good. Because like he didn't strike out at all in spring training. He right. made solid contact all throughout the first game, and I'm like, you know what? He's gonna be something special. Why don't I pick him up now? Because he gets on base, and on base yeah. gets me. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. That was a good call by you, and. He'll have his ups and downs, but I think he's already showing that he's going to figure his way out of those downs when when they when he gets that way. Yeah, that's fun. And and I I, I appreciate you bringing up Bobby Bradley. I I think most of us, you know, that our fans are like, well, it's probably time to move on because we've got some options coming in at first. But 
I, I, I love watching him try to hit the ball, you know, even when he strikes out, it's frustrating, but you know, he's just, he's going up there every time, just trying to hit it over the fence, which is fun to see. And you can see how much he cares. He really cares about it. And um, sometimes maybe if you can see how much somebody cares, that might be part of the struggle too, is that it's just, you just wear it, but yeah, he's, he's a good guy. You can see that for sure. All right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for spending some time uh, with me today. And uh, can you tell folks about where they can follow you or anything else you want to tell folks? Um, well, I, I'm on uh, Twitter at, uh, I believe, Shersonator455. Um, my profile picture is me as Walk Off Jesus because I went viral on Twitter for a weekend. Did um, you? Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, uh, my cousin was graduating from OU a couple years ago. So my dad's family from Chile came up for her graduation. And we all went to a game and we went to the standing room out in right field. And um, what, when I started growing my hair and growing my beard after high school, um, you know, the, my, my nickname in the family was Fat Jesus. Um, <laughs> and so my mom bought me a Jesus costume. Uh, oh. and so my cousins had never seen that before. And and he, he thought he could embarrass me by making me wear it to the game. But I walked in full of confidence, full of pride in this because like I'd worn it before all the time. Yeah, and right, so I, right. I walk in there, we're standing in right field, we're playing the Mariners, I believe, and uh, it's a tie game, bottom of the ninth inning, and uh, Tyler Naquin ropes a single that hits the, uh, the, 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 that bounces and like rolls the wall right in front of where I'm standing out in right field. And, you know, walking out, people ask you to bless up and stuff, and then on the way back to <laughs> our house after the game in the car, I get tagged in a tweet. Someone in a different section had taken a picture of me standing with my arms up um, and said, Jesus came to bless, uh, uh, um, to, 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 to bless us today with a win. And, and then McNeil on Twitter, who I'm sure a lot of people know, uh, coined the, uh, the, uh, the name Walk Off Jesus. Oh, that's great, man. I can't believe I missed that. That's great. I, I would have probably, probably was before I was too active on baseball Twitter, but that's awesome. And I, I I, I scrolled through your profile. I, I saw the picture, but I didn't necessarily make all that connection. That's that's great. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Now, who'd you say coined the turn walk off? Jesus, I think your mic cut out. Uh, McNeil. Oh, McNeil, McNeil. Yeah, he does a lot of fun stuff on Twitter. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, thanks for sharing that story. That's awesome. Sorry, I interrupted. You have anything else you wanted to promote or anything? Um, just that the future looks really bright for this team. I agree with you. I agree with you, Andrew. That's awesome. All right. Thank you. Thanks for forgiving me for messing up your name. And uh, I certainly will know your name now. And if I lose it, I'll just say walk off Jesus. And then you'll know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I really appreciate you spending some time with me. And it's great to get to know you a little bit. Glad you're a Guardians fan. Thank you for having me. So on our day in Guardians history, on May 7th in 1995, the Indians won 10-9 over the Twins at Jacobs Field in a contest that lasted 17 innings, 6 hours, and 36 minutes. There was no scoring between the 9th and the 16th innings, and the two teams combined utilized 17 pitches. Kenny Lofton drove in the winning run with a walk-off single. Eddie Murray drove in five runs with two homers and two singles. Cleveland certainly had chances to put the game away much earlier. Nine Minnesota hurlers allowed 26 hits and eight walks. Only scoring 10 runs is kind of a failure there. The Indians left 23 men on base and still somehow won that game. 
seem to have a vague memory of that being a super frustrating game, but kind of fun to look back on and see that as we think about the Guardians. Hopefully we'll have some wins to celebrate as we continue through this weekend. This has been the Cleveland Guardians FanCast. You can find us Monday through Friday on any podcast service that you prefer. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, and download so that we can continue to produce these podcasts for your enjoyment.